Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a licensed nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, Highland Games athlete, powerlifter, and I run USSF and Strength Guild. You do indeed. I do. <laughs> uh, and we have Brian Cron today. Hey, Brian. Hey, how are you? Uh, can you just maybe tell everybody about yourself? Well, I'm Brian Cron. I'm a, a fitness writer and an editor and a blogger, and uh, do some long. I'm a longtime personal trainer and uh, do a little online coaching and. <laughs> Yeah, I dabble in bodybuilding, but never competed. So I guess, uh, yeah. Okay. But I can't call myself a former bodybuilder yet. <laughs> were you a permabulker, as Rob would say, where you're always just uh, <laughs> constantly pounding the calories with the excuse of being a bodybuilder? <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I went through that phase for a while. It wasn't a good look for me. Yeah. But, yeah. but you know, fortunately, I'm Canadian, so we just wear a lot of sweaters. So yeah, I pulled it off. Yeah, <laughs> Phil and I were just talking. I didn't realize you were Canadian. I don't know. I, somehow I. I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't know. I think I assume, maybe I've grown to assume that most people that write, um, that do a lot of writing and editing and, and fitness are from New York, you know, city, literally. I don't know. Just because a lot of the, I think a lot of jobs that I see across my desk and stuff are for, you know, oh, you have to move to New York City, whether it's Rodale or, you know, I know they have Pennsylvania offices and stuff too, but anyway. Yes, certainly uh, for print that's true, but I'm actually in New York, uh, I have been for the last couple of years, but it's uh, on my wife's career, not mine. We're, we're going back to Canada shortly. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, uh, no, I, I get, so I got the New York uh, shtick out of my system. So. Okay, right. All right. Um, I, I know that we're actually part of a Canadian podcast network, uh, partly because of you know Rob's a Canuck. You know, he's from Canuckistan oh, no. up there, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that's good. That'll fit the theme. Uh, we're going to start with just a little bit of news here. Uh, Phil and I have some stuff from listeners, and I got a little bit from, believe it or not, Time Magazine. Um, okay. And then we're going to talk about your origin story. Okay, so brace yourself. Okay. Um, Strength and Muscle Sport News. This is called Dieters Beware. It's um, from July 7th to 14th, 2014. So this is pretty new stuff. Supplements for weight loss are heavy on claims and light on scientific proof. Now what, no. Well, right. What struck me about this was that almost the naivety of it. Um, they have four categories here. And maybe, if anything, this article is best read as insight into what the gen pop thinks. You know, um, yeah. it says um, – well, you know, it starts off with the usual sort of warnings, like if there really was something safe and effective, your doctor would be prescribing it and this and that. And it says, for now, most weight loss supplements are not evaluated for safety by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and they're too good to be true promises come from marketers. Okay. Well, and then they actually go on, and I was not aware of this, and maybe one of you guys have been, but it says um, – Obviously, prescriptions are regulated by the FDA, but it says a bill introduced in 2013 requiring companies to register their products with the FDA and improve labeling to include safety risks and efficacy is now before a Senate subcommittee. 
I did not know that. I didn't know that. Uh, so th- that was the a, a bit of news uh, that will change the landscape a bit. If they, I mean, I've done some consulting work where they said, "Hey, you know, mm-hmm. can you build us an evidence library?" Sort of, you know, but never like not actual efficacy direct with the product that would um, change the landscape. Anyway, here's their categories in their fat burner category, and again, this is a little bit humorous. Their two their two examples are gamma linoleic acid. Right, so GLA, I'd look at that more like a anti-inflammatory. I mean, that's primrose yeah. oil, that's borage oil, you know, and DNP, <laughs> dinitrophenol. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <sighs> I mean, that's a hell of a two two examples. As, were those randomly chosen? Because we talked about DNP just recently. In fact, mm-hmm. I even put a freebie um, PowerPoint slide up uh, through our, uh, you know, the the Libsyn server. For people who have our little app showing how DNP works, but DNP is a very harsh industrial chemical. <laughs> so okay, so that's our fat burners. And again, I don't want to mock these two, but um, I should use just to give their names. It's Time Magazine, Alice Park, and Alexandra Sifferlin. And again, I think maybe this is just indicative of what you know the general population thinks. The next one is appetite suppressants, and it has hudia and beta glucan. And Phil and I were just talking about this, but I always just thought beta-glucan, just eat oats, eat oat bran. You know, I mean, um, uh, soluble fiber. Uh, And again, like you said, Phil, well, I guess it fills you up, so it's kind of an appetite suppressant. But when I think appetite stimulant or suppressant, I think more like stuff that's going to really, you know. Yeah, stop me from eating. Yeah, pharmaceutically, (laughs) right, yeah. But okay, uh, they have a fat blocker category, and I've never known even dieting bodybuilders to use fat blockers. Actually, have you guys no. known anybody even dieting that used that stuff? Um, I don't know. It says know. there was that big craze for a while, but I didn't yeah. know anybody that did it. Yeah, because you know, it says may cause diarrhea. A lot of people don't realize. Like if I've worked with like clinical patients and stuff, and if you can't absorb dietary fat, you end up with what's called steatorrhea, which is a a uh, clinical word for oily, stinky, poopy, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, who wants that? That's just so disturbing. I don't want to have to wear like depends <laughs> because yeah. I'm on a fat block or maybe that's why those never stuck. And then there's metabolism boosters, um, bitter orange and green coffee. Well, I guess I can accept yeah, those. That's a little bit less weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, yeah. You miss some big ones in there. I mean, like I imagine yeah. something like a Fedrin would fit in multiple categories. Yeah. I'd, uh, I'd- Put that before DNP, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, they have metabolism booster in a separate category from fat burner, and to me, that's odd, right? I would put – the truth is something like ephedrine um, or ephedra, the herb. I know it, people are running from that for years now, but that would be in all these categories. That would almost be fat burner. It would be appetite suppressant and metabolism booster. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, I mean, to me, green coffee is fairly new. I'm actually interested in that. Um, I'm actually on the – mailing list for the green coffee association i, I think that there's some interesting stuff there but bitter orange to me that was something that was introduced to the market or popularized at least as a ephedrine alternative when all the companies backed away from ephedrine you know yeah um, exactly. so that's yeah that's uh, citrus rantium isn't it or yes exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So anyway that's uh dieters beware you know don't take too much <laughs> dmp <laughs> yeah with your with your fiber, I don't know. So anyway, it's just it, like I said, it's interesting. Uh, sometimes I think we underestimate ourselves as far as it's ironic, right? Because the, the general public might see somebody who's built and think, oh, he's maybe he's 
one of these big slow guys, you know, and yeah. that sort of stereotype. And in fact, on on things like this, our listenership is way more, you know, um, informed, I think, than the general population. And this article just sort of enforces that to me. So mm-hmm. um, it's easy. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, all right. Um, we have some listener mail. Phil, you had an interesting one. Yeah, um, this comes from a guy named Tom. I'll leave last names out, but his question is, how do I train around injuries, specifically minor herniated discs in my T6, T7, and L2? He had an MRI report, showed it minor. Of course, he had a bunch of pain. Says, after six months of physical therapy, I feel good enough to train deads and squats again, but the therapist said to never, ever go heavy again. I've been squatting and deadlifting around 225 for a month, and I'm still pain-free. How should I proceed from here? Should I slowly ramp up the weight or am I done lifting heavy forever? Not ready for CrossFit or PX90 yet. I'm 40 years old, 194 with ectomorphic joint structure. I've been training eight years. That's a tough one because um, you're talking – I, I, whenever you're dealing with somebody's spine, it's, yeah. you've got you to play it safe. But I wouldn't say never. The number one thing I'd say is have you went and got an MRI again? What's things look like now? Yeah. Um, you know, do you still have minor herniated discs? Um, cause that mm-hmm. stuff can't, it can go back, but on some level, um, at least. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. On some yeah. level, especially if it was just minor, it said, I mean, the report said it was minor, but I mean, I would never sell yourself out. I mean, you look at what Louis Simmons is like shattered his back three times and came back. And, uh, so I, I wouldn't say that you're done. I'd say yeah. you need to be smart about it. And that's the first thing I'd do is go back to my doctor and say, Hey, I want to look at this thing again. What do we got going on? Yeah. Do you have any, you know, are your discs starting to merge? You know, <laughs> have they closed right. and, and things like some that. Some healing, uh, some scarring, something, right? Yeah. yeah, and just see what's going on. Then other than that, yeah, I mean, I'd say I'd proceed slowly. Um, and what are your goals? I mean, I don't think you need – if you're not looking at powerlift, you don't need to freaking squat five, 600 pounds. You just don't need to. You know, Phil, that's what can... I've let go of. I mean, I'm 45 now, and it's harder to do that. I mean, it's easy for you yeah. to say that. If somebody said, Phil um, – it's time not to, you can't go over three fifteen anymore, and that's what I've con- <laughs> that's what I've been confronted with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm almost sure I've got some weird <laughs> shit going on in yeah, my yeah. back, and I don't I don't even need you know maybe the right thing to do would be go get a scan or whatnot. But yeah. for, for the most part, I have a pretty good idea because I'll get like peripheral numbness if I you know if I put too mm-hmm. much weight on the bar and that kind of stuff and. Uh, yeah. I just don't want to lose the privilege of being able to squat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's either back away. I'll rarely squat 405, rarely, yeah. but you, usually it's more like just 315. I cap it there. And you can do a lot of good with yes. a two and a quarter to 315 range, oh, I yeah. would argue. I, I think a lot of people don't don't realize that. You can make it, You can build one hell of a seek with three plates and not more than that. Yep. Oh, yep. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it depends on his goals. I mean, no, and I, I mean – I would steer you away from CrossFit and PX90, and on the same note, I'd steer you away from Olympic weightlifting. Anything where you're jumping around and, and with herniated discs isn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, explosive and, and loading so and those. unloading. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, figure out what your goals are. If you just want to look good, man, try and slowly move up to 315 and rep some shit out. So, but. absolutely. Yeah, what would you do, Brian? I mean, you said you do distance coaching and stuff. Are you just going to send him right to the doctor? And because the, obviously we're not giving medical advice here, we're just making some suggestions for consideration. But so what, what? How would you approach something like that? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head uh, a few times. Like, first of all, like anything with the spine, like you just you have to be so careful. And um, and there's, you know something about as soon as you hit forty, I find I mean you just you like you have you 
it's something where you just have less of a capacity to be ignorant and just wing it. Like you really have to be a little bit more diligent with your recovery. And um, yeah, if, if the goals are just to look good naked type of thing, like what do you need to squat more than three fifteen for? Like, mm-hmm. right. you know, if you could if you could squat three fifteen for ten to twenty, like good reps, you are you can build a very good physique. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Yep. I agree. And, you know, that's something it's been very hard for me to let go of because knowing Rob and Phil um, in my 30s, you know, I the squat was the one thing that I really would try to use heavier weights. I would look at the mm-hmm. weights. Like some people might find this funny, but I didn't even do that in the bench press. Yeah. I'm okay mm-hmm. putting 250, 275 and just doing my couple of sets of whatever, four or five reps. You know what I mean? And I just don't care. Uh, mm-hmm. But with squat, it hurt me it was hard psychologically to slowly back down you know what i mean because like you i think like we're all saying you can get very brutal without more plates mm-hmm. yeah you know so uh anyway that i think that's some stuff to consider yeah <clears throat> i have one more um and we'll get to brian here um john in denver but not john denver it says <laughs> <laughs> so so here's Oh, all right. Now, this is very similar. Uh, I'm just going to point you, John, to an episode two or three back. Phil and I gave some very frank advice about certifications. Uh, he says, I'm wondering about personal training certs for strength conditioning. Uh, you guys, that which ones would you recommend? So literally just go back two or three episodes. Um, if you use our Libsyn backup server, uh, there's even tags and keywords you can find it. Or if you go to the ironradio.org webpage, there's an RSS feed link in the lower right you can click on that and you can literally look at the show notes or even on itunes or show notes mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but it's, it was just a couple of episodes back we were talking about that i think in a nutshell we were saying uh nsca has some good certifications but i think phil you brought up a very good point which is if this is just for employment um a lot of times they'll say we just need you to be certified in something and, yep. and then yep. you jump through the hoop, you know, because there are literally like three or four hundred or more certifications out there. And, you know, I've ran into that myself. I remember when I was working on my I was working on my doctorate and the lady said, do you have any college degrees or a certificate? And I'm like, as if those are the same thing. I already don't want to work here. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> six years in college and you, you're you're talking about, you know, at that point. And you're yeah. saying six hours on a Saturday would be the equivalent, you know, with a little certification from God knows what. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Jump through the hoop if you have to. I think that was great advice, yeah. <laughs> especially because a lot of people, you know, this is one of those uh, endeavors where you can become a hell of an expert through an apprenticeship approach like you've done, Phil. You know, yeah. and I mean, if if all they all they see is certification um, in fact, I had a friend once who, after he got his doctorate, he was going to a university, um, I'm sorry, a hospital university linked cardiac wellness program. And they said, I'm sorry, you're overqualified and undercertified. Well, what does that mean? You know what, what I mean? Oh, yeah. that's, that's a problem when I think ignorant people, they value a certification above everything else because damn, you know, the guy had a PhD anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. So I digress. Let's get back to you, Brian. Uh, you mentioned several things: blogger, writer. You've been how long have you been in the industry? I uh, well, I started at the at the very very grassroots, as in uh, as in checking membership tags and, and mopping floors back in I think it was ninety one. Okay. But uh, on a more professional capacity, uh, like do personal training and stuff, uh, 
I think it was 1994. Okay. And uh, once I graduated uh, university, uh, my degrees are like in psychology later in English. I I used my degrees for about a week, and then I uh, <laughs> went back into personal training. Um, so that really got going around, yeah, about 95, 96. And over time, got into marketing, got into the supplement business in 97, like when EAS was really growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got on with their Canadian distributor. And yeah, basically, I've never looked back. I've always kind of kept one foot um, in, in training and coaching and the other in like supplements and marketing and writing and just going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, past few years, I've been in the U.S., and uh, my, my, my visa doesn't allow me to actually do any physical work here, uh, much, to my, much to my wife's chagrin. But uh, so I've been doing everything's online, like writing and editing and stuff like that. But uh, once I get back to Canada, I'll get right back into coaching again as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, you said you worked with a Canadian distributor for EAS. Um, I know you've worked with Biotest before. Um, yeah. Other, anybody else or most, a lot of independent stuff or what? Well, most of the distributors, I worked with a few of them up north, but they're largely, um, they're like parent companies that, that represent a handful of brands. So like you'll have one distribution company and they'll represent like uh, like Gasperi and Labrada and like a bunch of them. Right, yeah. And so like you had, like my job was like account management as well as doing like marketing and, and ad copy and stuff like that. Because similar to what you were talking about at the beginning of the show, like the, the rules in Canada in terms of claims and stuff like that are, are quite a bit different than down here. It's a little more regulated. So I think just what you were talking about at the beginning, it sounds like the U S is looking at a more Canadian style marketing, like, cause the claims are, you have to be a little bit more, a little more on top of your claims in Canada. Right. You can confirm this for me. Um, but I'm almost sure that pro hormones, for example, were never over the counter supplements in Canada. Is that correct? Weren't they always anabolic steroids? Oh yeah, those were always, um, and they danced around it like to get them onto the shelves, like you know, listing them under their like their herbal you know ingredients and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, filing them as uh, as herbs or, or, or whatever, just to kind of slip them past our health protection branch. Okay, um, and then it'd always be like a cat and mouse game, like the the government would come and crack down, take them to the shelves, and then they would come back again with a different type of. Uh, you know, either ad copy or a different name or classification. And, but, uh, yeah, they were always hot on pro hormones and those, uh, yeah, we had a huge, like even DHEA busts, uh, back in the mid nineties. Like, they were, <laughs> yeah, like they were like companies were getting raided by, by government officials with guns. Like they're looking for the steroids and they'd leave with, you know, boxes and boxes of DHEA. So it was, uh, it, it's different up there. It's a little, it, it sounds like you're. It's getting that way down here. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, like ephedrine, you can still buy ephedrine uh, only in eight milligram doses, though. Oh, so back, quite low, yeah. Yeah, and a maximum of I think it's fifty count per ser, like per per bottle. So. Oh no! Wait, are you saying as supplements or as like a, an asthma pill? It's labeled as a decongestant. Okay, mm-hmm. but all the supplement stores sell it. All right. Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean. That's there's there's that kind of you know nonsense that goes on up there. I mean it's you know a lot of semantics and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. yeah. So, so um, 
what drew you toward the bodybuilding side? I mean, when I say, quote, industry, unquote, I'm sort of, you know, talking about not just the broader fitness industry, but a focus on dietary supplements and weightlifting, you know, resistance training in some way, whether it's powerlifting, whatever. Um, so what, what drew you in, what drew you toward that direction from, you know, just being like a personal trainer? Well, I always loved bodybuilding and I, and I always loved, like, that's what's the competitive side, but I always loved like, you know, the whole physique transformation thing and how empowering that is. But just when I was young, like 22, 23, it was just kind of like the early days of a personal training. And this, at least where I was from back then, if you were getting 25 bucks an hour, you were, you were rolling in it. Like that was like, man, you're, you're doing, doing awesome. Mm -hmm. So, so when the, when the opportunity came, to like get into to supplements and marketing and stuff like that and a more consistent paycheck, I went that way because I could use my – at least I could use my degree a bit more and I guess my quote-unquote skill set and still kind of have a my foot in training and, and what I really love to do. So it was a, it was a kind of a nice marriage that way. And uh, just – I always kind of just listened to my career and like wherever I would make more money and, and do better, I would kind of put my focus there and uh, – like things like writing and marketing, I always did really well, and uh, so I kind of put the, the lion's share of my energy there. But my passion was always like in the sets and the reps and the gym. That was my that was my hobby. That was that's what I really loved to do. Mm -hmm. Well, let's face it. I mean, taking your university training or your education, however you got it, and making a living out of that. On some yeah. level, that's great. I mean, you know, Phil, when you mentioned that Jim Wendler had a degree in, you know, creative writing or whatever it was, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Brian, you've got a degree in English. I mean, I'm actually a little bit comforted because I, I although I've made a decent living, I put myself through grad school writing for fitness magazines and whatnot, but I'm not a professional writer. You know what I mean? Uh, I've always followed simple tenets like try to tell a story consider your readership you know what i mean and then i i always thought more like an educator and i think phil you you're kind of in that same mold you're like how can i teach somebody uh, yeah. this or that concept by the end of this article you know and make it actually digestible uh, yeah yeah but it's nice to see because i've always said that you know in our industry the businessmen aren't real businessmen the writers aren't real writers the scientists aren't real scientists you know what i mean and, yeah. and half the time the um even the lifters I question, you know, how much they actually lift. You know, some of these like super trainers uh, that, you know, yeah. When you're uh, when you're tweeting a hundred times a day and you're <laughs> blogging, like, when are you actually in the frickin' gym? You know, mm -hmm. and I know that's something that uh, Phil, you've always had such a no nonsense approach. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we hear people lifting in the background when you're on online sometimes. You know what I mean? Obviously, you're spending your time doing that, and the po the podcast is an outgrowth of that. But you could kind of tell. Are the people that are their bloggers first, you know, and then they're actually whatever this super trainer celebrity status they're trying to build. That's it's almost fabrication because they're not doing it every day. You know what I mean? Like when I say I'm a university professor, I spend 60 freaking hours a week doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's but I think people they kind of appreciate uh, some of that, too. You know, the authenticity, I guess. Oh, and that's the thing, especially, I don't know if it's me coming at it from also a writing angle as well as a training angle, but like I can spot, I can spot the bullshit like a mile away when I, when I see some of these 
workouts that are being tweeted or whatever or mm-hmm. just i'm just like that's you're making this shit up like yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry you've you're... never lifted i can tell because yeah. that that would destroy a, a real person you know what i yeah. mean yeah. yeah exactly exactly yeah that's funny um, okay well i'll tell you what let's um we're gonna go to break here and then when we come back we're just gonna have a topic it's actually gonna kick off a series because we've got a couple other guys coming in uh the next few weeks uh talking about working in the industry and, you know, obviously the discussion will, I'm sure Phil and I will have plenty to say because we've done this too. Um, but we're going to talk, try to give some listeners uh, behind the scenes uh, of what goes on, you know, and what's good and what's bad about it and that sort of thing. And again, meaning the bodybuilding supplement, you know, powerlifting kind of industry that's going on. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press and Protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lonman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, Whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. fix of iron radio in addition to being a popular institute on itunes we are also on email simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email you'll get a once per week email no more that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio so go for it All right, everybody, we are back. It's Phil and Lonnie, and we're talking with Brian Cron, industry insider, blogger, writer. um, And we're talking about working in the industry behind the scenes, whether it's supplement companies or the magazines or, 
you know, magazines, almost an archaic word now, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when you think about blogging and internet, but mm-hmm. uh, I have a real quick uh, announcement I want to make, and I'll, I'll try to do this on the next couple of shows, but uh, I came into some t-shirts and I am going to do a little membership drive here. Um, listeners, if you make five tweets or if you can get one supporting member and I can see this happen, uh, and then just contact Rob through ironradio.org website. I'll send you a T-shirt until they're gone. I mean, so this is limited, you know, while supplies last kind of thing. But I thought rather than just do a contest, let's just make, you know, make this into a simple um, membership drive, really. So, like I said, if you can make five tweets about Iron Radio, you can, you know, retweet something Phil or I have on Twitter. You can... Um, you know, make a comment yourself, whatever. Or if you can get one person to become a supporting member, I'll send you a T-shirt. I just got to send Rob your address. So that's pretty simple. Speaking, speaking of T-shirts, I just noticed this, and I don't know how I missed it. Some guy named Paul Roddy emailed us both about a shirt he had ordered. And it was through my site. I didn't notice it. So I just emailed him back. Paul, if you're listening to this, give me a, drop me a line. I think I have some of those shirts left. I usually do those all to order. Um, so it should have been taken down, but I think I have some of those. Not, I'll just refund you your money back. So, oh, okay, no, that's, that's yeah. The t-shirts that I'm talking about, I got from uh, Doctor Antonio from the ISSN. So, um, th- I got a couple of different sizes. I don't have any double X. So if you're huge, I can't <laughs> I can't include you in the drive. But anyway, I get no shirt. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, you're too big, buddy. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should have thought about that, you know, but. Uh, Anyway, okay. Uh, hey, you know what? I could do one thing. I, I've got a sweet um, ISSN uh, freebie backpack. You know, you go to conferences, you get backpacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so, if somebody, if you are huge, uh, you got to be the first one. You'll get the backpack. <laughs> okay. Well, I know it already. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. So here we are. Um, the the topic really is just you know, working for bodybuilding websites and supplement companies and writing in the industry. And, you know, so working in the industry, quote unquote, um, one question I had first for you, Brian, was you mentioned working on the distribution side. Now we're going to have, um, a guy Jeff on next week and he is a really, that's his forte, you know, is he works for these distributors and he has this big network. So he's the kind of guy that a lot of people would, the supplement companies love to work with him. And, you know, I think sometimes the distribution side, because let's face it, you got the best product in the world. And if you can't distribute it in the right channels, it's never going to make any money. I mean, so do Absolutely. you, per- do you perceive the distribution side as one of the most important money-making aspects of this? Well, keep it like, keep in mind, I'm coming at it from a Canadian perspective. Like when I did that, uh, did that role and that and there, a distribution company has to be, um, they have to really know the Canadian laws and they, and the ones that do well are the ones that are like one-stop shops. So like an American brand that wants to penetrate the Canadian market, they'll, they'll, they'll choose a, a good distribution company that knows all the ins and outs of the Canadian health protection branch and how it's different than the FDA and what have you and, and just makes it as seamless a process as possible. So that it's a little bit different uh, like working distribution north of the border. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, it's there's there's always opportunities for uh, like for, for like as marketing reps and account reps for like, there's lots of jobs that way. Yeah, I did that for years up north, and it's a it's a good job. I mean, it keeps you in the industry and mm-hmm. you know working for these companies, and it's uh, and it's fun. 
Right. And now we're not talking about multi-level marketing here. We're talking no, about big no. distributors, right? Like, yeah, like you said, like account executive kind of things. Uh, yeah, are there a couple secret. names? Yeah. Like, are are there some key distributors that you can you could give us as far as a name, or does the landscape change so quickly you you just don't know? Well, I know if, if you're Canadian listeners, there's um, uh, geez, there's True North Nutrition. There's one off off the top of my head. Okay. Um, I, I believe there's Nutrition Club. Uh, there's a bunch of them. Okay. Um, and in the states, of course, the huge one is Europa. Yep. Um, that's yeah, that, that's one that as soon as I think of the distribution, that's what I think of is Europa. Right. We'll I, hear I, about I, that I, next week. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, that, that's the guy to talk to there. <laughs> so, yeah. So and for listeners, if you wondered, I mean, it, it seems to be the idea that, you know, you have raw material suppliers. I know, Phil, you've looked into that level of it. Yeah. And then you've got the people that do the bottling and encapsulation and, you know, and the branding and all that. And then, but still, you can have the best thing going on, but, you know, yeah, you got to have that big okay. distributor because even if there's a tiny percentage of people who bite on a product, I mean, if you get something in, like, let's say you get in a GNC or a Walmart or you get through, yeah, mm-hmm. some of these distributors that, like you said, Brian, host several brands. They're not just about their own yeah. brand. You yeah. know, that's very enticing to mm-hmm. somebody who's got a new product, right? Because you could. Put, oh, yeah. Like, if you think about it, the, the rep goes in, you know, let's say he's representing a huge, huge brand. And if you're a startup, if you can kind of get in on the sale, like as you know, as an after sale kind of thing, it's a it's a great way to get you know market penetration as you're growing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people probably are, are pretty naive about some of like the distribution side. I mean, I've actually had discussions with Jeff, the guy that's going to be on next week, and he's like, Lonnie, you're like the token scientist. You know, you guys don't make as much money as the account reps, you know, and the and the distri- distribution guys because we equal money. And you're, you know, you're at least up, maybe that might change given the news today, but the science guys are more like a bragging rights, maybe. I don't know. They're not necessarily part of the formula. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though they should be. <laughs> the nutritionists and the science guys, it's like always the kind of the, you know, token, unfortunately. But so, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're being used for marketing type. Exactly. Usually. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, let's cash in on some of the letters, you know, after the name mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, from a distribution perspective, though, you know, Phil, I know even with stuff like a lot of the educational stuff and the forums, and you've done that mm-hmm. online, uh, do you think trying to do it yourself, like a grassroots thing, um, d- does that work? And how have you made that work? You know what I mean? I think it it works more now, but I don't – it's hard for me to say that because – you know, a lot of my name was built up <laughs> through a larger network. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and then I was able to go from there. It's like, okay, now I have this following of thousands. Now I can go out on my own mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, and that was, you know, your questions that's coming up. I'd say that's like the, the biggest thing I gained was that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's more doable now, I guess, but it's still about networking. I mean, if you're going to do that, you need to get in a in a larger group of <laughs> I don't know. It's like you, you have these independent groups now. Well, like I'm in a circle of people that we kind of all shoot each other stuff around. You know, we're our own little distribution network. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, type of thing. So, and you get in a group of like-minded people and you all kind of, uh, without even asking, you just shoot your stuff around because you agree with each other. Okay. Type of thing. Well, I think whether it comes to uh, like uh, publishing or certainly uh, 
supplement products you know definitely products i mean yeah i mean and it's if you're gonna if you're gonna mass sell like i have no mass selling products so all my stuff is totally just aimed at my followers and i'm very not all my products are not uh they're not built and aimed at the greater public they're 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 targeted to a specific audience um Mm -hmm. i'd never expect to sell like 10 million of my shirts i expect to sell sell 50 you know right and well, like they're almost tailored, like individual attention yes. tailored kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the mistake a lot of people make w- with um, publishing or, um, you know, selling uh, nutritional products and stuff is they have this idea that, oh, I have a website, you know, and is not is this not like one of the biggest myths? Like, oh, I've got a website. Millions of people can see it. Yeah, yeah, or who, or, who or, or one or one pe- <laughs> yeah. person. Cause you've seen the ads on TV. We'll build a website for you. There's millions of people online. You know, of course there is. Right, but you, that could be the equivalent of one issue, or you know, one article pr- published, or thirty thousand. You yes. know what I mean? As just to give a realistic range, mm. and they think because they have a website, somehow people are looking at that. You know, and they they're writing to someone in the ether because <laughs> mm-hmm. there's not there's nobody there looking at it. Yeah. I don't know exactly. I mean, and that's that's the problem is. You have to be – if you're going to do it yourself, you have to live it. You know, like, I mean, there's a – the only reason I'm on so much social media, it, it's not because I like chatting with people, which I do. I mean, to a point, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but right. uh, <laughs> I got to get my stuff out there. You know, there's no one out there doing it for me. Yeah. You yep. know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't have a, a, a magazine pushing it out there for me, and I don't want to. That's by choice. Right. You know, I decide – I make the decision of, hey, I'm going to – if I'm publishing stuff, I'm going to do it on my own now. Yeah. Um, so well, that's even when you think about like when we started Iron Radio, the whole listener-supported concept is completely—it might not be new, but it's really different from the w- way most people do this. You know, they want advertisers yeah. as a backer, but then the advertiser has their fingers in the editorial content, and mm-hmm. that beca- that can cause real problems. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly, and that, that's exactly why we kind of went the way we are. I mean, we've talked about it before. I mean, I've had articles turned back that were like, "Oh, this is way too educated for our audience." Well. Don't run it then. I'll do it myself. Yeah. You know, it's yep. like I'm not going to dumb down this or change that. And that's when I made the decision just do it myself. It's like I can put out what I want. If four people read it, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, Brian. So, and yep. Rob and Phil have heard this before, but have you ever felt that like drudgery that, oh, God, they want another two weeks to bigger biceps kind of article? <laughs> oh, you <know>? my God. <laughs> have, have you ever felt like sort of, forgive the term, but hoard out? <laughs> That you're like, oh, God, they want me to pen another one about two weeks to bigger guns. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Well, the worst is um, (laughs) – I'll just – without naming names, when you work for one company but you need extra money so you ghostwrite for a bunch of others and you're -hmm. you're setting up variations of the same thing, it's Mm – yeah, it's – Oh, no. I know what you're saying. (laughs) Right. Variations of the same thing. But you know what? It's all so uh, rote and redundant and generic that yeah. it's hard to even detect that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you're telling me you can see two weeks to bigger guns here and they, over here it's s- intensity techniques for bigger guns. You're just yeah. slightly rewording it. You know what I mean? I don't oh, know. It's, it's funny. I was, I was at a conference and uh, and an aspiring writer, he came up to me and he's like, you know, I I, I, was, I read one of your, your arm training articles and then already I'm kind of like, oh, no, here we go. And he's mm-hmm. like – and I read something very similar a few weeks later, and he goes, I think the guy was plagiarizing you. And uh, he goes, do you want, you want his info? And I'm like, you know, it's, I go, you know, it's probably either – I probably wrote that one. It's too, you. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. One was two weeks to bigger guns. The other one was 14 yeah. days. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
Right. You know, and there's always uh, – I've resisted this, and I understand the marketing value. But if you go to a lot of online sites, whether it's supplement company-backed or, or um, otherwise, you know, a publisher, whatever, uh, there's numbers in the title. It's almost like requisite, like, you know, yeah, yeah. six rules for this, two mm-hmm. things you should never do. You know what I mean? It's – and to me, that's – it's just so overdone. Uh, I've – tried very hard to avoid that but when you're a writer and that's what they're paying for you know what i mean it's i don't know yeah google loves it readers love it and that's yeah it's that's that's why they do that yeah oh really i didn't realize so google if you've got like a number in the title it's gonna make it easier to index that or something or well that's what i've been told i'm not i'm not too savvy on that Mm. but like i've whenever i've submitted things or or worked on the editorial side we always if we can find a way to to make it a number thing, we do it. They just get better read through rates, and, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and people seemingly people love that. I yeah, don't, I don't know. It's but, just but such yeah, a oh. formula, overused formula to you know to do that. Like I said, four things to avoid. You know, three things you should never do. You know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, but I love I love writing those because because uh, <laughs> I'm because I'm inherently kind of lazy. So I'll think, all right, if uh, if I got to write a six things article. If I can get three done by lunch, you know, then I can. You know, I'll take a little break and I'll, I'll have a sandwich. And then I'll do the other three, you know, before one o'clock, and then I'll go to the gym. So it, it makes it very easy for me to break down my day. Yeah. So I do like that. Well, I'll admit, even here on the on the show, you know, um, with audio, we've done sometimes top fives and stuff. But it, to yeah. me, that a hierarchy is a little bit, at least a little bit more complex than just six random things. You know what I mean? <laughs> or five random things. Uh, anyway, that yeah. just pop into your head. So. Yeah. Okay, so the questions for today, Phil, you alluded to this. Let's start with you. Um, as guys who have done a lot of writing, you know, you're familiar with forums, all this stuff in the industry. Um, high point and a low point of of doing that. Mm-hmm. High point and a low point. The high point and low point of working in the industry. Yeah. God, I'd say the high point for me is easy. It's just the God. They, these might be the same though. The 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 people I've been able to meet. Yeah. Um, through the industry. I mean, I've met some really quality people and, and have friends across the world. So that would probably be the highest point. That's a good one, so, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, can you think of a low point? Uh, me again? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, dirt, <laughs> the dirt bags I've met through the industry yeah. around the world. You know, like I said, they're okay. going to be one and the same. And just the realization of how much how much crap there is out there. I mean, and a lot of it's due to the marketing and stuff like that. It's just, it, there's... There's yes men and you know the the amazing amount of that you know that I'll just they'll put out whatever you they want to to sell. Yep. So, right. okay. Yep. And Brian, how about you? What, let's start with something positive. It's funny. I was thinking about this. Like a high point. Uh, the high point in terms of, I think in a lot of ways it's right now. I mean, like uh, every, everyone's kind of got a voice, and uh, at least. It, it, like in my career, like me personally, the high point is right now because I kind of work for myself now, which is nice. I can kind of pick and choose my work, who I want to work with and who I certainly don't want to be associated with. And so it, personally, it's very much a high point right now. And I think as, as an industry, it's it's good because there's, you know, like I say, everyone's got a voice and there's lots of, you know, we're not just beholden to, you know, a handful of magazines or, or what have you. Um so in that way, it's very good. It's very kind of egalitarian that way. Mm-hmm. But it's also the low point because 
everyone has a voice. Mm-hmm. And, and probably, I don't want to say 90% or 80%, but a big percentage of these voices are just morons or they're just you know, soulless marketers who just don't give a shit about what they're saying. And they're just trying to get at the listeners or the reader's wallet. So mm-hmm. it's just the people who are getting the most traction often are people who are best at marketing or the best at mm-hmm. tweeting or they they know how to be on Facebook and be engaging and, and stuff like that. Like I just – I'm kind of like you, man. Like I just don't give a shit. Like I, I have about a, a capacity of about 15 minutes of social media a day and then I kind of like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I just don't yeah. – I just don't really care unless it's something really, really interesting. But – a lot of guys are getting traction by just by being so good at that and kind of it's very manipulative. So, yeah, it has changed the marketing because people can market themselves, like you said, Phil, you, without hiring a marketer. Mm-hmm. You know, you can totally. just yeah. yeah. And the way that a lot and you know, I think Phil, you may have brought this up in the past, but you get people who have they have multiple personas across mm-hmm. multiple like they have multiple YouTube channels, multiple yeah. Twitter accounts, multiple Facebook, and then they create these almost bogus networks. Like Phil, you're talking about a real network. You mm-hmm. know, like if you've got a T shirt or if Jim Wendler does something, you guys can kind of work together and spread stuff around and yeah. but these guys are doing this falsely and there's actually books on how to do this so you know you get online and you wonder it who is this really like just like you were saying brian with you know the authorship and the ghost writing and stuff it'd be the same thing with you know are these two websites that are going back and forth seemingly having a conversation and all you know there's literally like a dozen people and it's all the same dude yeah (laughs) you know it's creepy and we've talked about it before on the i see i haven't been to forums in a while aside from my own and but I mean I, I was amazed working in the industry that, of that part of it that, that well, so like writers would have five and six person like their IDs of their own yep. and they'd be the first one to come comment on their article and <laughs> yeah. they, they'd literally start up fights with themselves about yep. the on their yeah. their own articles yeah. and it was like wow man, yeah we were talking about so embarrassing how, how low is that <laughs> it's so you know, so lame <laughs> you're arguing with yourself go find something to do right know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so it's yeah, it's it's so sad. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna toss this out. I I think a high point for me has been being able to give back in a way. Uh, one of the things that mm-hmm. we do with the podcast, is, you know, is I, it just seems like a better thing. I mean, you could go just go to philstevensresume.com, you know, or robfortney.org, but this is a way where. It, it, you, we can stay involved in the industry and actually do some good instead of just putting up a you know resume online kind of thing. Because I know people who have done that, you know. But again, how many yeah. people? There's no reason to go to your site then. It's actually poorer marketing to do it that way. Anyway, I think the low, you know, you're saying some of the dirtbags in the industry. Uh, when you get guys who are yes men, or they're you know they're they're not competent. You know, I was saying that scientists aren't real scientists, the writers aren't real writers, and this sort of thing. When you're not competent, you your only hope is to make the other incompetent guy next to you look bad. So mm-hmm. the sabotage comes into it, right? Because when you're good, everybody's doing their thing. They're competently doing their chores, whatever needs to be done. But when you yeah. don't have any competence, your only hope to get ahead is to try to sabotage the equally incompetent dude to your left. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it yeah. creates yeah. a very like um, poison uh, atmosphere sort yeah. of, you know, and I don't know. Uh, we have uh, my wife and I have a term for that. We call those people LQI. They're low quality individuals, and oh. you, you know you just you're not going to infuse them. You're not going to imbue them with quality, so you just avoid them. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. Uh, one of the other things that I was going to ask you guys is a story um, from your work, whether it's as a blogger or work on forums or something you've published, anything. Um, Brian, do you have any interesting tales? Uh, oh, man, I got a bunch. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, uh, like years ago, I used to um, – like we used to – one of the Canadian companies I worked for, they wanted to – they wanted to jump into into bodybuilding marketing. They, they're more they were more of a lifestyle brand, but they wanted to really they wanted to take a big run into 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 bodybuilding. So they signed a uh, an, an up and coming uh, newly crowned pro pro bodybuilder, and they wanted to attach a bunch of supplements to him. And so uh, they paired me with this guy, and I was supposed to I was supposed to interview him and break him down and find out what makes him tick and what he eats and what he drinks and how he trains and all this. And the problem was, I, 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 they were giving him all this product, and uh, I got him on the I, the first time I was talking to him. I, I wasn't getting a very strong impression that he was actually using the product hmm. or, or doing anything that he had said, kind of in our earlier correspondence. And so we, I did a couple more interviews with them, and it just got. I would mention a product like, oh, and what about you know fat burner X Y Z? And there'd be this pause, and he'd be like, oh yeah, that was great. I love that. I used that right up to the show. It was, it was just awesome. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't sound very convincing. <laughs> you know, and then I mentioned the weight gainer and he'd be like, oh yeah, I used that right up to the show. It was fantastic. And I was like, what? You're using the weight gainer up to the show. And oh boy. So, so then finally he, we're, we're getting a little frustrated because, and, and, and bear in mind, I was writing under his name. So I really wanted to, you know, get the, get the facts from him. Mm -hmm. And, and finally he just said, he goes, you know what? He goes, all these products, he goes, he goes, testosterone is awesome. He goes, growth hormone is okay. IGF-1, that's eh, not bad. He goes, but insulin, insulin is very good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Article like, done. Yeah, I'm like, all right. And that was my cue. I wrote the whole thing. I never talked to him again. I wrote the whole thing. And, and yeah, anyway. <laughs> wow. You know, yeah. we say this every once in a while, and I don't want to continually rip on the, the prima donna type of bodybuilder, but – those are the guys, yeah. Uh, Rob was ranting about this last week with Phil Heath. You know, he's got his new supplement line and everything. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, just like you said, uh, it's just so uh, routine for them just to, yeah, you know, point me at a camera or a mic or, you know, or, or even, like you said, a ghostwriter. Point me at somebody yeah. and tell me what to lie. That's their job as an endorser, you know, and it's like, oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, this, yeah. Oh, what about you, Phil? Do you have any a story that jumps to mind at all? I mean, yes, you've been I, behind the scenes. I guess a couple. Of them. It was neat being in in the industry before, like the big supplement crackdown in the U.S. and yeah. just hearing hearing stories of what all was actually in the supplements, you know, and <laughs> okay. why that, like, you know, the first the first run of oh. XYZ product <laughs> right. worked really well. well. Hot um, no, uh, yeah. Hot stuff, yeah. Hot yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. You know, and I was wow, that 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 protein put twenty pounds on me in four weeks, and I was like, really? That's amazing, you know. Um, so that was neat. It's half Anavar. Yeah, and then <laughs> exactly. So and just just learning about that side of it uh, back then. I don't, I don't, I can't tell you if that still happens now or not. Um, I'm guessing much less than before. What a sneaky marketing technique, though, is you get people to bite. You know, like, yeah, that hot stuff. God, that felt like clenbuterol. Yeah, you know? and that's like, like me and my, <laughs> me and one of my, my, my clients here were talking about how, like, when the first creatine came out, I was like, my God, I took it and I just got huge. And then, and now it has a reputation. 
you know, and not saying the creatine doesn't work, but it doesn't work that good. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess, I don't know, the other part, the fun, some of the fun stuff was just uh, um, like being at big bodybuilding shows and being behind the scenes and like watching the guy that just lost and seeing him come eat. You know, things like that, just simple <laughs> things like that to laugh at. It's like, oh, my, they, they have like his entourage bringing in plates and, and things yeah. like that. So that's that's kind of fun stuff. But. On, entourages. To me, it's always the people I think that are the least famous with, you know, yeah. the lowest self-esteem that feel the need to have. Things. Like, you know, like a bot, like any bodybuilder, even a famous one. Uh, and I don't know if powerlifting has the equivalent of like the super famous, you know, current like best in the world, like. They're not going to walk around with an entourage, yeah, you know, no. but the bodybuilders, everybody wants to show up in like a Cadillac Escalade and, you know, and have the token one or two um, pretty girls and the entourage. And it's like, I, I, do you think you're a rap star? I mean, what do you think you're what are you trying to achieve here? You know, it's just so cheesy. I don't mm -hmm. know. This is funny. Maybe maybe Canadians behave better than that. I don't know. Uh well, it's hard, it's hard to look cool on a skidoo, you know, you show up in a snowmobile. And... <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> one of the stories, I might have even said this on the show before, but uh, when I was talking about, like, incompetence, you know, and my experience has often been there's one or two of token science guys at a table, you know, they'll fly you in and you're having this meeting, and then there's, like, eight marketing guys on the other side, and that alone suggests where the emphasis in the industry is, you know, it's so much on the sales and not the actual efficacy of the product. You know, I mean, I can get on certain, um, uh, job boards and it's like sales rep, sales rep, sales rep, sales rep, maybe one R and D. And then there's 50 more sales reps, you know, and it's, that's the reality of it. But yeah. the story that I was thinking about was about, uh, one of these, um, supplement you know like the article i was talking about from time magazine one of these uh, dietary uh, products and i actually the guy said so what do you think and you go around the table and the marketers are like the first one says you know oh best thing since creatine we got a new creatine you know it, i mean as far as sales go best thing since uh, ephedrine you know and they're going around all oh, best thing since sliced bread and i said you know being the kind of the the skeptic i said well you know you've got a you got a depressant and a stimulant in the same product, I, you know, and, and are you concerned about that? You know, and he goes, Lonnie, Lonnie, Lonnie. <laughs> I would say it the same way. Because the guy who formulated it, he doesn't know what he's doing, you know, and he goes, the stimulant brings you up and the depressant smooths it out. And I'm like, you know, or, or let me offer an alternate hypothesis <laughs> that these things interact with each other in a negative way you know and you end up with uh, something that's not synergistic right why is everything synergistic one plus one always equals five in the supplement industry you know ne nothing is additive what's wrong with additive but or it could actually be you know contradicting you know you've, you've got such random things in here and you've got your own little reality in your head <laughs> that you know how this is going to work but mm -hmm. you know You've got depressants and stimulants in the same thing, and I don't know. That's not always going to work out for you the way you want it's like it to. That, it's like that whole Red Bull and vodka craze. It's like, oh, great, so we have a really awake drunk. <laughs> I just never got that. It's like, God. Yeah. It's just a bad idea. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's all kinds of – I mean, I was at a – I was at a meeting in Lo in Los Angeles, and I almost wish Rob was on the show, but he would start dropping names, and I wouldn't want him to do this anyway. And <laughs> one of the guys there, uh, who's fairly well known as a, quote, genius, close quote, in the industry, um, he had 
he had been taking too much heroin the night before. And there's all these guys <laughs> around the table. I mean, names that if I mention them, anybody in the industry would be like, oh, my God, he was, you know, all those guys were there. Yeah. And he starts just projectile vomiting and calling for his mama. And I'm like, oh, my God. Literally, he's going, mama, mama. And I'm like, oh, can we – can somebody clean this up? You know, because I'm I'm a professor, and I don't – I'm not computing this, you know. This isn't, this isn't legitimate to me, you know. And then somebody had to go back to his hotel room and clean up the syringes or whatever crap he had. I, I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know, you know. But this is – this guy's – the, the supposed chemist genius, you know, uh, of the industry or something. I'm like, this. it's a joke. This is a joke. Anyway, and I think a lot of people, they don't see how random and amateurish and even shady, you know, some of the behind the scenes. Now, not everybody's like that. There are some truly uh, talented formulators in the industry and people who try to do marketing, you know, and take the high road and stuff. But yeah. unfortunately, I think, like you said, Phil, before we hit record, uh, it's easier to come up with the downside tales mm-hmm. as yeah. it is, you know, paragons of virtue. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. This is the, the downside ones are always so over the top that it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of laughable. They, just, they stick in your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the marketers that like you were alluding to Brian, they do, really do not see a problem with anything that other than the bottom line, you know, well, this is about better sales. Therefore, it worked. We need to do it more. And, you know, even if the one guy around the table, whether it's the science guy or whoever says, but that's not right. That's untrue. That's, you know, they're like, but it sells more. You're not following me here. It sells more. Let's get on this. You know, and it's they honestly do not. It really hit me once I was in New York. I was sitting at a table and it really struck me. This guy he has a different set of ethics. Like it, he doesn't even perceive this as shady. Yeah. It's a, it's, he's only focused on the money. It's all about performance. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. how much can you bench? This is how many million can we make out of this? And it, it doesn't matter how it's done, yeah. you know, and it literally never even entered his thinking that maybe there's something wrong with this to lie to all these, you know, enthusiastic young people or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I know. And I, you know, I deal with other coaches and I'm, my own personal bias is I think if you're going to train people online, you should still maintain a, a practice of physically training actual human beings, mm-hmm. you know, in person, like even if it's a few hours a day, just, and you should certainly come from a, a very strong background in doing that. So yeah, maybe over time your, your business evolves that you're doing largely online coaching or what have you, but even then you should still maintain actual living, breathing humans that you work with. Otherwise, like what credibility do you have? And, I get a lot of, you know, kind of negative feedback for having that opinion. People don't understand that, and and they're always the guys who've never, you know, actually trained a client in their life. I feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not going to get any blowback from Phil and I. I mean, that's what, no. that's what Phil does. Phil has yeah. a real facility with real people. <laughs> you know. No, and I've talked about it before. I mean, that's like the people I will only take on so many distance clients yes yeah. and it's because i'm busy doing other shit and i but i've seen it on the other end where literally been around coaches that will have 150 and it's like how do you deal with them well i got this program here where i punch in their name and it shoots out a program yeah cookie cutter and it's like come on man <laughs> you're not no nope. you know, people don't so. think that imagine if i mean like let's use evidence-based medicine as an example what if a doctor did that? You got mm-hmm. diabetes. Here's your dose of this and that. There was no individual physical exam. There was no assessments yeah. done. There was nothing tailored to the individual. It was just a, some blanket. Take these meds and go for a walk twice a day. 
you know, and meanwhile, you don't know the guy's like a double amputee or something and he can't walk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or there's nothing. Um, I don't know. There's got to be that individualized component. Otherwise, I mean, because everybody's different, you know, biologically, socially, psychologically, there's, you know, economically, there's so many things that go into a client. Absolutely. And, and to say, here's the low carb diet. Here's how you get lean. And that's what so many of those online, even like bodybuilding diet gurus, they're just, here's your, here's your plan. You know, just, just follow it. You're, you're good. No, they're not good. What if they're gluten insensitive and they can't do the carb thing the way you're saying it, or they're allergic to peanuts and you just told them to go live on mixed nuts and you know what I mean? This is, it's absurd. Anyway. All right. Well, we're just about out of time. So, Brian, any closing thoughts or advice if someone was interested in working in the industry? Uh, that's a very good question. I mean, especially when I, 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 whenever I talk to younger people, they or even established guys, they, you know, they all kind of say the same thing. Oh, you have to have passion for it. You have to, you have to love the industry. You have to love working out, and you have to love programming. Blah blah. And, and yeah, and I think that's really important. But I would say once everyone kind of has that. So once if you have that, then I would look at what is my skill set. Like, what am I naturally good at? Like, and kind of put the lion's share of your effort into that area. Like, if you're a naturally a, a really good writer, like it just comes easily to you, and it ever it has ever since you were a kid. Then maybe see if you can marry that with, you know. With training, or if you're just a really good coach, if you know if you can get people into really good shape and you know build a following of actual living, breathing human beings and, and get results, you know then put your effort there. Mm-hmm. I I just kind of find that like right now, like right now blogging's hot, so like everyone's got to be a blogger and everyone's got to you know be an online coach, and it's just it's just not everyone's niche. Mm-hmm. And it's there's, there's a lot of this industry's always been like me too, me too. Um, so I think it, we all have to kind of take a look at look at our careers, look at our skill set, and just do what we're good at. Yeah. You know, first and foremost. I mean, that's that's what I think. I mean, and you can see it. A lot of bloggers now they are they're kind of they're switching to doing video mm-hmm. because they realize like holy shit, writing a good blog post takes me three days, and then people don't read it, but I can crank out a YouTube video in you know twelve minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, I so that's I, I can see the attraction in that, but um, yeah, we touched on that the other day. The risk with that is the before you've given it some time to compose it, you've babbled something that you might regret or that mm-hmm. isn't helpful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly. the that's the risk. I think. Yeah. So I mean, that would be my one advice: is just you know, yeah, passion is important, but what what am I good at? Like, what do people always? compliment me on even like when i'm not fishing for compliments it's like uh, people out of the blue say man you're a good whatever you know that's what i would kind of really keep a close eye on okay hey uh before we close uh website or somewhere where we can point listeners well uh well my blog is uh briancron.com it's b-r-y-a-n-k-r-a-h-n.com and i try to put out quality blogs some might argue they're not but uh yeah it's my thoughts on the industry and uh, bodybuilding, a little bit of strength, a little bit of life, uh, a little bit of travel, just, yeah, kind of a, a mix of stuff. Okay, cool. All right, well, we are out of time, so I guess that's it for this week. Cool. That'll work. Iron Radio is accepting donations. 
if you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.